I grew up studying the Talmud. We spent hours every single day from age nine. Progressively, at age nine, we maybe spent an hour. And by the time we were in our teens, we were spending six, seven hours a day on the Talmud. And the Talmud, anyone who's ever tried to learn it will agree it is really, really difficult. You really have to put your brain power on. Not only because some of the ideas are abstract or maybe relating to an ancient world of cows and donkeys as the basis of an economy, but because it's truly intellectual. It's a real, real intellectual journey that any person who takes that Talmud seriously will go on. That's just to understand what the Talmud says. Simple reading of the ancient Aramaic can really break your head. As my, one of my teachers used to say, I want to smell the smoke coming out of your head when you're trying to figure out the Talmud. That's just basic Talmud, which is an incredibly amount, incredible amount of text and topics. But then there's the commentaries on the Talmud. The Talmud was authored about 1,500 years ago, and for the last 1,500 years there are endless pretty much countless amount of commentary, starting from the most basic Rashi from the 10th, 11th century, the Tosfot, which is Rashi's family, grandchildren, and an endless amount of commentators. Till today, every day, another book is being published on some part of the Talmud. And the Talmud is only one part of Jewish study. There is much more. But what's my point? My point is, I grew up studying the Talmud, breaking my head on it, and thinking that it's a really intellectual work. But then, I came into real world. I came into the real life, and I discovered, bah! These were all closed-minded individuals. You know why? Because all these great sages, across centuries and millennia, they all agreed on a basic assumption. God exists, and the Torah was given at Sinai. So therefore the Torah is true, as it's God's word. But that's for sissies, I was told. Real open-minded people, people who see the world through objective truth, they cannot prove that God exists, and they cannot prove that Sinai took place. I'll argue with that point, whether you can prove that Sinai happened or not, but that's not an argument for now. The argument that they have is that if you accept certain assumptions of this world, you are closed-minded, even if afterwards you use your mind like nobody else to understand. There is nobody I know in today's world whose mind can compare to the sages of the Talmud, to Abaya, Rabba, Rava, Shmuel, Rav, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yochanan, Reish Lakish, etc., etc. 
these people's power of analysis, of connection, of finding a contradiction from an entirely different topic and using it to disprove an argument presented by their peer, the ability of the commentaries to read multiple layers of meaning in every line of the Talmud, that for me was always intellect. But in their mind, in the mind of open-minded people, these guys were all closed-minded because they didn't question the basic assumptions. Because to be a real intellectual, you accept nothing. And because you accept nothing, you go to the root. The problem is, after 200 years of accepting nothing, which is the world we live in, the world is confused. The world is lost. We can't accept that there's God, that God runs this world. We cannot accept that God has a word, the Torah, which is a guide of life. We cannot accept that there's any objective truth beyond what can be proven in a scientific lab. And even that is only tentative until it's disproven. So, what did we get? I was recently reading a talk by Jordan Peterson, and I started reading his book as well, um, 12 Rules for Life. Quite an interesting character, quite an interesting thinker. Um, A bit on the conservative side, but a total scientist, sometimes grading me a bit too much with his loyalty to so-called objective truth. But he brings up a lot of uh, valid points. And one of the points he brings up is how the last 200 years have been the biggest proof that no basic truths as a society are the biggest destruction. We've never killed as many people as we have in the last 100 years. Since World War I till today, we have killed more people than is probably most of history combined between Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Pol Pot, um, Rwanda, and all the other crazies, Kim Jong-un. We've killed people, and all the people that have been killed have not been, not all, but most, have not been based on tribal warfare. It's been based on ideology. Stalin had communism. So did Pol Pot in Cambodia, and so did Kim Jong-un, and Hitler had fascism, and the Japanese had their own crazy ideas of the emperor as a god. If you ever read Rape of Nanking, one horrible book about how many people the Japanese killed during World War II. Um, Why? Because there was no basic assumption of what we could agree on, because we were so open-minded, as the expression goes, that our brains fell out. Because that's what the world looks like right now. We are so open-minded that our brains fall out. And once again, I look at the world as an individual, and I'm terrified. I'm terrified of what we could do to ourselves. Because the world is anxious, just like the world was at the first half of the 20th century. And when the world is anxious and has no values, it goes towards very stupid ideas. Communist was a really stupid idea. 
most people don't appreciate that. You know, whenever I talk about communism, I see people's eyes glare over. Yeah, for most people, the big tragedy of the 20th century was Nazism, and it's true, especially from a Jewish perspective. But what we don't understand is how many people communism killed, including Jews, but not only. According to estimates, Mao in China killed 70 million people. Stalin killed way over 20 million people. And God knows how many people died in North Korea. Cambodia killed millions and many, many others. So an ideology that kills documented 100 million people, and it's such a utopian ideology in theory, you have to spend the time to understand what was so wrong with ideology. Seemingly, it was a very innocent ideology. Share the wealth, spread it, let the state take the power and, and equalize, create an equal society. I don't think Karl Marx was a bad person necessarily. He just came up with a really, really bad idea. But he was a scientist, so he could prove some of his ideas scientifically. Oh, and that makes it valid, you see. Do you know that once upon a time there were many scientists who believed in race theory? They claimed it was an objective truth that the way to fix society is by selective breeding. A lot of the Nazi ideology that played out in Germany in the 30s and 40s was based on ideas of Western, including American, scientists who proved, as it be, the idea that selective breeding will be a good thing for society. Hence why America locked up their Japanese during World War II and a lot of the other racist ideas, such as basic racism in the United States based on so-called science because science knows I'm not making fun of science I respect science very much I would love a vaccine right now I go to doctors when I'm sick I am not a person who doubts everything coming from the medical scientific community at all but I also know where science ends science is not philosophy and science doesn't give the meaning of life. Science is how to use life. It's understanding the life that is. Not the whys of life, the hows of life, where life comes from. Science could suggest, but science can never say anything in absolute truth. It could just be tested in the lab. And yes, some things in science seem to be much more true than others and are true. Like, I do believe in, I don't have to believe, I know there's such a thing called gravity and the weather and many other things um, can be proven pretty much beyond a shadow of a doubt. But whether God exists or not, science can never claim to know that answer. Science could at most say that they could explain the world without a God, but they can't tell me if there is or isn't. And that's why religion has to be there. Faith has to be there. As Rabbi Sachs of Less Memory used to say, they're not opposites. They each play a part. He called it the great partnership. You cannot have a world just with science. And you cannot have a world just with religion. You need both. You need both. Unfortunately, most people 
gravitate to one over the other. I find some religious people not believing in medicine. I have one person driving me crazy not to get a vaccine because in this person's profound ideology, based on so-called religious texts, which don't exist, but their interpretation of it, you shouldn't have a vaccine. This is absolute baloney. And it's overstanding. It's crossing over the boundary where religion never claimed to be. The Torah tells us, for rapo yorape, a doctor should heal, and that you should go to a doctor to heal. You could pray to Hashem as well, but you have to listen to the doctor. Yes, we've, many of us have had experiences with doctors that maybe didn't get the right diagnosis. Nobody's infallible, and still, if someone asks me, should I get the vaccine? My answer is, go call your doctor. Why are you asking me? It's not a religious question. It is not a religious question. And if God exists, that is not a scientific question. And after hundreds of years of questioning God's existence and seeing a world that is so intellectual in its words that it's brain fall out, I say, give me the intellectuals of the Talmud. Give me Abaye. Give me Rava. Give me Shmuel. Give me Bruria, the great wife of Rabbi Meir. Give me the sages of the Mishnah. Give me the prophets of old. Give me Yirmiyahu and Yeshayahu, Jeremiah and Isaiah and Yecheskel, Ezekiel, and Shimshon, Samson. Give me Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe our teacher, Moses. Give me the Chumash. Give me Rashi. Give me Ramban, Nachmanides. Give me Rambam, Maimonides. These were real intellectuals just because they didn't come to the same conclusion that God didn't exist. And they did, by the way, question God. But they had a basic assumption that they're not here to disprove, but actually to figure out how the world exists with them. They had this natural faith. And then they used their intellect, their intellect to prove God, as Maimonides does, and Guide for the Perplexed, and many other sages, but their assumption was that this world is not meaningless. And I'll be honest, personally, I'm sick and tired of being told by many well-meaning people, including Jews, Oh, Rabbi, you don't have a choice. You're closed-minded. Ah, because I believe in God, so I'm closed-minded. The fact that the average person who who spends time in yeshiva spends more time intellect than even a person in university and definitely after they finish university most people don't necessarily go study but the people who finish yeshiva continue studying and I know this sounds defensive apologies I'm not trying to be defensive I'm just saying we never stop studying Yeshivas are real places of intellect. They're not just a bunch of places of people trying to rip off the government the way it's often described. There are real scholars there. There are people of incredible, incredible knowledge. I have friends my age who literally can tell you pages of Talmud by heart, who can intellectualize so abstract that after five minutes of listening to them, you lose your head. Not because they're talking nonsense, but because they can hold so many ideas and balance it like a juggler. Is that weak intellectualism? Is that closed-minded? No. I'm talking to you now 
at the end, hopefully close to the end, of a crazy time, the pandemic. Please God, it ends soon. After 16, 18 months of this, and as if the world was perfect before, and people are anxious, people are stressed out, people are not sure what next. I don't have any answers. God doesn't talk to me any more than he talks to anybody else. As the famous expression, if you talk to God, you're a believer. If he talks to you, you're mad. <laughs> um, but here's what I do know. That believing that this world has someone who's running it is not opium of the masses. It's not a crutch. It's the truth. I can't prove it to you objectively. I have many arguments, but I can't prove it to you. It just is. Just like I can't prove you that my wife is the right person for me. I just know it. Or that I love my children. I can't prove it to you. I just, it is. God is. God is. And if you can just accept that and then go on the journey of understanding why, how, when, where, you'll find the incredible journey of a Jewish intellect. For me, when I hear people say the words Judaism is a tradition, it's cute. But boy, is it patronizing to a religion as beautiful as Yiddishkeit to say that it's about Kishka, Herring, and Knedels, and Chad um, Gadia, and Pesach Seders. How embarrassing. That's what Judaism is? A recipe book? A book of rituals? It's that, but it's so much more. It's the single biggest body of true intellectual study than anything on earth. And I say that with confidence. There is nothing that comes close. You know, in my adult life, in my junior life, I wasn't exposed that much to intellectual study outside of Torah. But in my adult life, I've, for whatever reason, decided to expose myself. And there's some really, really profound stuff. Hard stuff. Mathematics, physics, and engineering, which is a, basically a form of mathematics, and medicine. There's so much. But there is nothing as stimulating and as intellectually challenging as figuring out the argument between a Rashi, a Tosfot, and a Rambam. And until you've tasted it, with the assumption that their discussions are based on truth, you haven't really had an intellectual journey. I encourage you to go on that journey if you haven't. Pikudei Hashem Yesharim Mesam says King David. The commandments of God, the Torah of God, are straight. And they bring joy to the heart. Their logic isn't crooked. It's true logic, and it's true joy. God bless you, and have a great day.